You're listening to the Assembly Call IU podcast and postgame show, the place where Indiana fans across the globe hang out online after every IU basketball game. If you want to get more out of being an IU basketball fan, then make sure you're subscribed to our email newsletter. Go to assemblycall.com slash join today and sign up for free. That's assemblycall.com slash join. This week's edition of the Assembly Call is brought to you by SeatGeek. As you know, buying tickets to sports and concerts can be complicated, but there is a better, simpler way to buy with SeatGeek. SeatGeek is the smartest, easiest way to get tickets to live events. With SeatGeek's seamless mobile experience, you can buy and sell tickets in just two taps. SeatGeek helps you find the best seats at the best prices, fully guaranteed. There is nothing quite like seeing your favorite team or musician in person, and SeatGeek will get you closer to the action for a great value. I have SeatGeek on my phone. I've used it several times in the last year. I used it when Yogi Ferrell was playing for the Mavericks and went to see a couple of games. Used it to buy my wife tickets to a concert, so I can personally vouch for it. I use it. I can be anywhere, and with just a few taps, I can instantly find seats to any event that I want to go to. SeatGeek is designed to make your ticket buying experience easier than ever. SeatGeek saves you time and money by searching multiple ticket sites to compare prices and help you find amazing deals. And best of all, listeners to the Assembly Call get $20 off of their first SeatGeek purchase. All you have to do is download the SeatGeek app and enter the promo code ASSEMBLY today. That's promo code ASSEMBLY, A-S-S-E-M-B-L-Y, for $20 off your first SeatGeek purchase. And now, get ready for another brand new edition of the Assembly Call. And welcome, Hoosier fans, to this week's edition of Assembly Call Radio, where each week we discuss the most important IU basketball stories from the past seven days. This is episode number 41 of Assembly Call Radio, and it is our 333rd episode overall of the Assembly Call, recorded on the evening of Thursday, August 24th, 2017. I am your host, Jared Morris. Remember, if you can't catch one of our shows live, you can always catch up with our podcast, which is available everywhere. Just search for Assembly Call wherever you listen to podcasts, and you will find us. All right, let's begin how we begin every show, and that is with our Hoosier Proud banner moment. And this week, if you missed it, Archie Miller addressed a room full of IU fans at an IU alumni event at the American Museum of Natural History in New York City. And as reported by Avi Zalian for the Indianapolis Star, Archie talked about addressing his 2017-18 IU team for the first time. He talked about the message of pride that he delivered, which will be an important rallying cry for the team this season. Archie also laid out three points of excellence that he believes will lead Indiana back to the path of hanging banner number six and maybe even banner number seven. Number one, the development of players. Number two, recruiting championship caliber people that accept the high standards in every facet of life. And number three, building a system and style of excellence. Then he said this, and I quote, if we stay with those three things and don't talk about anything else, I think we can get to be a Big Ten perennial championship team, a second and third weekend team in the NCAA tournament, and ultimately a team that's contending for a national championship on a yearly basis. It's not always easy to identify banner moments in the midst of the long offseason, but that, my friends, is what I call a banner moment. And that was this week's banner moment, brought to you by, as always, our friends at HoosierProud.com. And by the way, I actually spoke with Connor, the founder of Hoosier Proud, earlier this week, and he has some pretty exciting plans up his sleeve for some new IU-related t-shirt designs, as well as a potential t-shirt series in the works with an IU basketball legend, that I really wish I could tell you about, but can't yet. But the details will be coming in good time, so stay tuned. 
All righty. Well, let me now introduce my esteemed co-host for this evening. To my left is a man who will soon be beside himself with glee as he walks through grocery store magazine aisles and notices that Robert Johnson is a cover boy for several of the college basketball preview magazines. He is the president of the Robert Johnson Fan Club, one of the world's most respected bracketologists, and is old enough to remember the darkest day in Ohio State football history back in 1987 and hopeful that the Hoosiers can eclipse the Buckeyes again coming up next week. He is Andy Bottoms. Andy, what is your bottoms line from the past week in Indiana basketball? I mean, just that intro gave me a lot of different directions I could go. I am the person who, even yeah, though they say like the nobody's, even though they say nobody's buying magazines, I will buy every damn one of the college basketball preview magazines that comes out. I've pre-ordered my copy of Blue Ribbon, so I'm I'm ready to go on that. And the uh, the Ohio State stuff, living here in in Buckeye country, uh, that is a game that most people that I I know do not recall or at least acknowledge from an Ohio State standpoint in terms of. Uh, the darkest day. So I, I hopefully we'll have another one uh, here in about a week. But, uh, you know, for me, one of the points that you brought up was about, you know, recruiting championship caliber people. And I think, uh, you know, by any account, the biggest story this week was the commitment of Robert Finnessy. Uh, important for a number of reasons. Another in-state kid, um, you know, point guard, which was, you know, really a, a kind of glaring hole or question mark, at least uh, in the recruiting class that that may yet be filled by, you know, you know, Darius Garland. His name is still out there. But uh, I, I think Finnessy is exciting. I think he's a guy that you can see being a potential four year guy. And really, for me, um, you know, the first point guard that will be on the roster that Archie recruited that he can kind of you know, use his background as a major college point guard and see what he can really develop out of him over the course of four years. Because I think by most accounts, he's a, uh, you know, a four year player. And so uh, when you look back on what is hopefully a very successful, you know, coaching tenure for Archie Miller here, uh, it's not hard to think about. Uh, You'd be able to point back to to getting a guy who's a real leader, uh, coach on the floor type guy and and true point guard in fantasy who uh, becomes a four year staple of the uh, of the IU program. So I think that uh, that is exciting. Obviously, time will tell if that all comes out to be true. But, uh, you know, for me, that was easily the story of the week and, and the thing that I was most excited about outside of the Robert Johnson covers, of course. And to my right. We have a man who is celebrating his birthday this week, although he doesn't want to tell anyone how old he is. So those of you who are watching live, put your guesses into the chat box and we'll see who gets it right. I'm guessing 24. Uh, He's also a columnist for the big lead. And he is willing to bet anyone a ham sandwich that Indiana will draw more fans for the September 16th game against FIU than the San Diego Chargers will draw all year in L.A. Any takers? He is Ryan Phillips. Ryan, what... Indiana basketball topic would you like to rant about this week? Well, you got to be specific because I've been ranting a lot on Twitter this week about other things in case you haven't been following, uh, which you should at rumors and rants, please. Thank you. Self plug. Uh, I, I think it's the fantasy news as well. And, and I, I like it because it's another Indiana kid. Um, that's two in this recruiting class. Um, and, and he's a guy who we'll get into it a little bit, but he fits a lot of what Archie Miller likes to do. It's a very good fit for the system, a very good fit for this team. And as Andy pointed out, it's a long-term fit. This isn't a guy who's going to come in and be here for a year and, and bolt, um, to the next level. And, and, you know, quite frankly, when you're building a program as Archie Miller is to have a point guard, you can build around long-term and a guy who may be able to come in and actually just be a freshman for a year. And then, you know, sort of build up his minutes into his sophomore year and things like that. That's a huge win for him because it's a guy at a leadership position at the point guard. And and we'll get into it. I have a scouting report on him, but uh, I I thought that was great news for Indiana. I think it was expected. I think we all predicted that would be the next commitment uh, when we were talking about it a couple weeks ago and, uh, you know, came just at the right time. And now Indiana could focus all its energy on, on adding another player. Alrighty, so here's what we're going to discuss this week. We will, of course, break down the Robert Fennessy commitment, what it means, and what kind of player Indiana is getting. Ryan got tape. There we go. We're going to briefly, very briefly, touch on the Grant Galon non-story that is only a story because it's a slow part of the offseason. So we're going to hit on that very briefly. Plus, there's some news and notes uh, from this week, including the probability of a 20-game Big Ten schedule, which is interesting. And, of course, we have your questions. Uh, Plus, we may get into a little bit what Indiana does from a scholarship strategy perspective. Uh, I did a quick hit podcast on that uh, on uh, Thursday morning, and so we may talk a little bit about that, too. All of that and more on this jam-packed edition of Assembly Call Radio. Uh, Real quick, before we get to that stuff, remember that when you need tickets to a sporting event, to a concert, or any other event, check SeatGeek first to ensure that you get a great deal and use the promo code ASSEMBLY, A-S-S-E-M-B-L-Y, 
when you make your first purchase so that you get $20 back after that purchase. For example, tickets are still available for next week's Indiana-Ohio State game, and when I checked earlier today, they were as low as $64, which I know sounds like a lot for an IU football game, but that's the lowest that I've seen it, actually, for this game in particular. Uh, So it's a heck of a deal for a game of this magnitude, and we need to make sure there's as much red as possible there, and actually that the red that's there is Indiana Crimson, not Ohio State Scarlet. To find the best price on tickets to this game and the rest of the IU football schedule, visit the URL iufbtickets.shop. Not .com, .shop. That's iufbtickets.shop. That's actually our affiliate URL, meaning that when you use it to browse tickets at SeatGeek, we get a commission whenever a purchase is made. So in other words, you get a great deal on IU tickets, and you help support the assembly call, a win-win. And hopefully, it's a win-win-win, and the Hoosiers knock off the Buckeyes on Thursday night. Again, the URL, iufbtickets.com. All righty, you are listening to The Assembly Call. I am Jared Morris here with Andy Bottoms and Ryan Phillips talking IU basketball. Uh, and, guys, let's talk about the Rob Finnessy uh, commitment. Obviously huge on a number of levels. Uh, Ryan, I know that you had a chance to watch him. So I don't know if we'll be able to get through the full scouting report this segment. This may need to spill over into the next segment. But let's begin by talking about what kind of player uh, Rob Finnessy is. And I had a chance to kind of break this down with Alex Bozich on a podcast on the brink earlier this week. So I'll give some thoughts later, but I want to hear your thoughts, uh, obviously getting a chance to watch him extensively. Uh, well, he's, you know, for those who don't know, he's a six foot point guard, uh, about 160 pounds out of McCutcheon High School in Lafayette, Indiana. Someone here went to high school in Lafayette. Uh, we played McCutcheon. They were is. a big rival. Um, he's... He's a pure point guard. I like him, uh, you know, but he's a scorer, too. I mean, it, it's a mix. I mean, he definitely has the ability to be a distributor. Um, you know, I'm just touching on this right now. We can get into it more in depth in the next segment. But I, I think it's what I like about him is he's versatile. He can he can be that, you know, pass first guy or he can score. Uh, I love his jumper. I think he has a real quiet shot. You, you know, you see a lot of these kids who start playing basketball when they're really young have shots where there's a lot of arm involved and a lot of, uh, you know, maybe they over jump because when they start shooting threes, they're not strong enough to get the ball up there. And so they they put a lot of, you know, overemphasis into it. He is super balanced. I love the way he shoots. Um his follow through is perfect. A lot of release, ro- the release and rotation are perfect. Um, and that, and that's un- coming from the shot doctor, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah. And his no, prognosis are usually pretty tough. I, I think that is, he's got a very good shot. I think he, he over rotates a little bit sometimes, but that's fixable. And that's just a young guy who, when he gets stronger, he won't. Um, I think he's very underrated nationally. He's ranked 101 on the uh, the 24-7 composite. I think that he is much better than that. Uh, I think he's the 17th ranked point guard nationally on the 24-7 composite. I think he's much better than that. I'm not saying he's a five-star, but he I, I could see him. I mean, you, you could put him 40 spots higher, and I'd be fine with it nationally. Um, so, yeah, I think that he's a guy who, of course, needs to gain weight, needs to get stronger. That's, that's a big aspect of... Uh, what he's going to need to get better at is just get in a weight room and put on some weight uh, because when he's finishing, he he doesn't really finish through contact. He kind of tries to go over guys or around them instead of, you know, just plowing through the way you're supposed to when you're a point guard in the paint in the Big Ten. So uh, I'd like to see that some. Um, and I think he's uh, he's a great passer. But one thing I really loved is he puts the ball in guys' hands. You know, he doesn't he doesn't pass to the body. He passes to the hands. And so guys can catch it and go up with the shot really quickly instead of having to catch it, gather and then shoot. He gets it to guys where they can use it. And uh, I think that and and I think his vision is is there. But I think he's probably going to need to be in the film room to improve that. Just see the floor better. Uh, if you're in the film room, you learn a lot more about the game. Then you go out and put it into practice. Uh, I think that will improve with time. Uh, but it's uh, the makings of a of a player with some pretty good vision right now. And he's a natural point guard. Like he is a yep. pure point guard. He's a guy with a high assist turnover ratio. He's a guy that everybody that that has seen him play that has kind of has intimate knowledge of his game talks about his leadership abilities, his abilities to just control things out there on the floor. So even if his numbers don't overwhelm you in a particular game, he may have still had a great game because he controlled the pace for his team and he got guys involved and he was just that quiet leader out there. Um, You know, Andy, I'm curious from your perspective, 
does he remind you of anybody? Uh, you know, maybe, you know, think about point guards from IU's past or just anybody nationally. Is there anybody? Because I know, you know, it's hard for those of us who don't get to watch these guys play every game. It helps to have a frame of reference for a comparison, even though they're inherently unfair. Uh, but is there anybody that comes to mind that might give folks a frame of reference for his game? I, I can't really. I'm struggling to think of an IU comp. I don't know if you. I don't know if you have one. Um, well, but the, I, the one that the one that keeps coming to me is Michael Lewis, and it's obviously incomplete in a lot of ways. But I think just for in terms of a guy who is a pure point guard, you know, a pass first type guy, leadership type guy. He obviously doesn't have the fiery personality that Michael Lewis had, but he. That's the one that strikes me as being the most similar, uh, even though there's obviously a lot of differences, but. Yeah, I mean, I I think that's an interesting one. I, you know, what what struck me in watching him is that you know he doesn't necessarily overwhelm you with athleticism, but he always seems to be really under control. And I think, uh, you know, that's some a of those, big part of his game. Yeah, he just seemed, you know, nothing was rushed, nothing was, uh, nothing was really forced. Um, and I think, you know, obviously that that will he'll struggle to maintain that as a freshman and as he gets into you know big time college basketball, but. Um, you know, those were the things that's, that that kind of stuck out to me, uh, you know, less, you know, skill based type things. And, and I, you know, I remember a couple years ago when they uh, made a run to the state title game in Indiana, you know, that he was consistently talked about as one of the guys that was really the leader of that team, uh, you know, even as a, you know, an underclassman uh, at that standpoint. So I think, you know, those kinds of leadership qualities, I think I think play really well. And I think that maybe is where the, the Lewis um, and, the, and the past first nature of that comes into play. I'll have to think about that a little bit more and think if I can come up with another Big Ten one. But IU-wise, at least recent history, um, feels that way because I think when you think traditional point guards in a lot of cases for IU, you go back to, we'd probably harken back to like you know Chris Reynolds or Jamal Meeks or somebody like that. And I think, you know to Ryan's point, Finnessy's offensive game is, is a lot more refined than uh, you'd say about those guys. Or more recently, Yogi Ferrell, but they have drastically different games. And Yogi had more of a scorer's mentality than, than Robert does. So different types of players. Yeah. All right, uh, we're going to take a break. Coming up, we're going to talk about some of the drawbacks to Robert's game and also how he fits and what his chances are of starting from day one. That is coming up on the Assembly Call. Stick with us. You are listening to the Assembly Call. I'm Jared Morris talking IU basketball with my co-hosts on the Assembly Call IU postgame show, Andy Bottoms and Ryan Phillips. Uh, Ryan, let's jump right in here. You gave us a lot of the positives about Robert Finnessy's game in our last segment. What are some of the concerns about his game as he looks to transition to the next level? Well, one thing about him uh, that I will say that's positive, but this is going to lead to a negative. He, he's really quick, and he's got good speed, got a great crossover. Uh, I like some of that stuff. But one problem he has when he's going to the hoop is he kind of hops as he's going along instead of just making a smooth drive to the hoop. It's kind of like he hops along every— But it'd be nice. Maybe that's because no one has a sign on the sidelines telling him not to hop. Yeah, exactly. And if he had a that, sign, <laughs> then he would only hop. somebody had told <laughs> him. should really yeah, do that. I wouldn't have done that if I'd known it wasn't okay. You know, somebody should signs. do that. Really, you'd think a genius coach would come along and do that. That's, um, that's preposterous. Totally preposterous. <laughs> but um, yeah, he kind of he kind of hops his way to the hoop, and that works in high school, and he can get away with it. But it, you know, instead of being quick and smooth to the hoop, uh, you know, which is what you need at the next level, it's going to hold him back. So he needs to get a little quicker to the hoop, uh, maybe more decisive in what he's going to do with the ball when he gets it, as opposed to just kind of stuttering along as he goes um and and i think that again the 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 need to add a lot of strength be, to help his finishing is going to be huge for him I, I know i mentioned that before but i need to double down on it because it feels like when he drives in he's almost afraid to get hit or, or bumped off off the line and uh, you know off his line to the to the hoop um and he's gonna need to get stronger there um but other than that, I really like what I see, especially as a, as a future uh, for him in in Archie's system. I think he's a willing defender. I think he's he's got enough length to be a good defender. Um, as Andy said, he's not he's not an off the charts athlete. He's not an above the rim player, really. I mean, he can get up, but not that far. I think that he may be able to 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 unlock a little more athleticism in a college strength program. But he's not going to be a guy that's just going to wow you with with athleticism. He's more just a smart, heady player uh, who can score and who can sort of do everything on the floor. Very well-rounded guy. And that's another reason why I like the fit, because Archie Miller was a point guard. Now, obviously, Robert is 
bigger, taller, better athlete than Archie. But Archie was a guy who didn't have great athleticism, didn't have great height, but he became a successful player because he worked hard and he could shoot and he had guile and he was a leader. And those are some of the things that I think Robert is going to need to do to really to become, you know, an elite level college point guard as a junior or senior, which I think we all think he has the potential to become. Andy, the question I want to ask you is what can he do right away? Because look, as soon as Yogi Ferrell left campus, there was a gaping hole at point guard. We all know it. It showed up all year last year. You know, this year, it's probably going to be a lot of the same. I mean, Josh Newkirk, we expect to get the first shot at that. None of us think Robert Johnson is a natural point guard. And then you've got guys like Devontae Green. Because he isn't. Well, he's not. He's not. And that's just not his role. But, you know, so you, you've got kind of the stop gaps that we're going to try again this season. And then next year, Robert will come in. And, you know, you've got Devontae Green who will be on the roster. Obviously, Curtis Jones isn't a point guard. Al Durham played point guard in high school. But, you know, I don't know if anybody thinks that he's going to be ready as soon as next season to step up. So when you project Robert Finnessy forward, if we assume that Indiana doesn't get someone like Darius Garland coming in as well, which I think is what most people assume, even though he's taking an official visit, do you see Robert Finnessy stepping on campus and being the starter from day one? I certainly think he has the opportunity to do so. You know, really at that point it becomes, you know, uh, between him, Devontae Green and, and Al Durham. And, you know, Green, I think, wow, from a size perspective, I think most people think that's his, you know, maybe where he ends up. I don't know that that's his uh, natural position either. And and Durham, I think uh, you could see with some of his length and, and uh, you know, ability to defend, I could see him, you know, playing his way into – uh, you know, and Archie's good graces from that perspective. But I think the opportunity is right there for him to to be able to come in and do that. I think the question becomes at that point, you know, we think back to Yogi's freshman year and he was able to really focus on just distributing because he was surrounded by so much other talent. And as you start to spin forward with the number of seniors on this year's roster and, um, you know, obviously everybody's excited about the recruits. Like, what does the team look like around fantasy if he's a freshman point guard? And does that help him get put immediately in a position to succeed? You know, there's obviously a lot of things that could happen between now and then. So it's hard to speculate on that. So if the question is truly just whether he could come in and, and get the job right away, I think that's absolutely a possibility. Uh, I think if he, you know, can assert himself uh, on defense, uh, you know, that's going to go a long way, I think, toward, uh, you know, earning playing time. Um, because he comes in with some of the natural point guard skills that Archie will look to refine as he's there. But uh, I think that that possibility is there. Um, how successful he can be as a freshman in that scenario, I think, is a little bit more dependent upon the supporting cast because um, we think about, you know, typical situations for a freshman point guard. That, that's a lot of the uh, the success factors are are external to that person. Hop in, Ron. Yeah, I, I think that uh... You guys know I'm fully on the Devontae Green train. I think that he's going to be a junior that year. And but I think as he's a going point guard, though, I mean, a lot of us are on the train yeah. as a good player. But as a lead, as your lead guard, you're on that. Yeah, train. I think I think so. I think so. I think he's going to be a junior, and I think he's going to have rounded into shape in that way. Maybe he won't be the perfect point guard, and and won't be exactly what you expect. But I think that at that point he'll be in a leadership role, and uh, you know, if he develops the way we think he's going to, I think he's. And and that's not to say Robert Finnessy can't win a starting job. Uh, I think that my thought is that Devontae Green will have earned that role by then, and Finnessy can be the second unit point guard, a guy who can sometimes play on the floor with Devontae Green or a guy like that if everything you know keeps developing the way we think it is with this roster. I will say um, it strikes me as ideal for him to have the chance to kind of learn maybe in a backup role and not have I would agree. to be thrust into that starting role with all that pressure and expectation. I would I would agree, and and I think that we all love to have a five star guy who comes in as a star right away, or, or or whatever. But also, when you look at guys like the the guy we always point back to is Victor Oladipo. Had he come in and he had to contribute right away, does he develop the way he did? Probably not. I mean, you know, had he had he had to contribute in a major way right off the bat, probably not. What was good about him is he could come in for ten, twelve minute bursts of just furious activity, do whatever, play defense, be what he had to be. And then go to the bench and watch the game and learn. And 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 similar to that, your role on the show, of course. Yeah, uh, I mean, how how can how can you argue that? Uh, and of course, an all star. You know, ten, 10 twelve minutes. Type. That's about the length of the monologue. Yeah. Sometimes, yeah, usually. Um, unless unless a really big San Diego sports story <laughs> drops, at which point, yeah, I mean, all bets, bets are off. So many bingo point. boxes yeah. are being checked off right now. I know. <laughs> hey, you started it, not I me. I know. Um, but I would say that I think that, you know, getting to come in and learn and, and play, play, but play limited minutes, I think is 
a real benefit to a guy, unless you're going to be a five-star and jump to the NBA, you're looking at a career, not one year. So I like that for a freshman to get to be a freshman and sit on the bench during a game and watch what other guys do and learn from it and then go out there, put it into use, see what was good, what was bad, come back out, learn some more. Uh, that can really make a guy better in the long term. And I think that that is sort of what I would target for Robert if, if everything sort of – if the roster looks the same in two years as it looks right now. So it was a big commitment. Now Indiana has two scholarships remaining for next year. We know that one of those scholarships is earmarked for Romeo Langford and will hold on to it for as long as it takes, you know, until he commits. What do you guys want to see Indiana do with the other one? You know, because you've got Jake Forrester coming in for an official visit. He's kind of a high three-star guy, a six-eight-six-nine forward with a good motor, but not, you know, a slam-dunk superstar, but a potential solid guy. But you look in the near future at the class of 2019, and Indiana's in good position with a lot of guys. They've just got to have some scholarships. Now, we don't know who might transfer. We don't know a lot of things. All we know is Juwan Morgan is the only guy who's going to be a senior next season, and so there doesn't project to be just a huge glut of scholarships. So, Andy, do you want to see you know, Indiana take a guy like a Jake Forrester or continue to target you know, some, some, some guys who are closer to blue-chip status like a Darius Garland or a Lugans Dort? Or do you want to see Indiana be really patient to the point of possibly hanging on to that scholarship so that they've got it in their pocket for the 2019 class? Yeah, it's definitely tricky with the amount of seniors on this year's roster, and, and at some point you got to try to rebalance that out a little bit. I think if they wanted to go after anybody else that would be in the class, I think Dort feels kind of like that guy. I mean, there's really not – he would he would fill a role that – um, you know, if Curtis Jones has the season that you think he's going to have this year, then maybe, maybe that role is filled at that point. But otherwise, you I know, really kind of door is you awesome. know, shooting, you know, shooting guard who can, you know, really go out and, and, and score, I think would be, uh, interesting and something where there's not a lot of redundancy on the roster. Otherwise, do you hang on to it to take a grad transfer so that you can still get something out of the scholarship, but like push, but push that forward. I think somebody had that question, which I think is an interesting way to think about it. But yeah, I just don't know that you can continue to, you know, at some point you've got to spread out these, you know, five, six, you know, open scholarships. And so, uh, you know, race Thompson coming in a little bit earlier is one way to do that. Although he's redshirting, so it doesn't really, you know, have exactly that effect. So I, I would be inclined to say if they're going to take somebody else, uh, that would come in as a freshman. I think Dort would would seem to be the most logical choice. If not, I think you might look at uh, you know a grad transfer, or maybe even I guess an, you know another transfer doesn't help you all that much because they're still sitting out and using the scholarship. So those are at least a couple thoughts that I had. But I, you know, Archie to me doesn't seem like a guy who's going to play everybody anyway, um, and and typically has not and has talked openly about wanting to save some of the scholarships. So um, feels like it wouldn't be shocking if he if he banked one. Um, the question is, if you if you hold on to that one that you're going to bank and the one for Romeo and then Romeo goes someplace else, um, do you have to try to do something to get the other, you know, to, to use up uh, the other one? Ryan, real quick, what would you do? 20 seconds. Uh, I would bank it unless you you're get muted. Romeo. I, I, I would hold. I would definitely. Bank Finally, it. I think <laughs> this is enjoy the silence, everybody. Man, this is this is great. We should do more uh, I, of the show like I, this. I, off. I was open on the, on the one. Uh, no, I would say uh, you bank it. I'd say that you hold one scholarship for Lankford or Dort. You're not going to get both, uh, and you bank the other one. I think you have to to spread this out. Yep. All righty. Coming up on the assembly call, we are going to get into some interesting news and notes that occurred this week, break all those down for you, uh, and hit anything lingering on this issue as well. It's coming up. Stick with us. You are listening to the assembly call go to assemblycall.com slash join to activate your free membership and you will get our weekly six banner sunday news roundups delivered right to your inbox every sunday morning so that you can stay up to date with your hoosiers during the off season and even once the season begins the url is assemblycall.com slash join i am jared morris talking iu basketball with my co-hosts on the assembly call andy bottoms and ryan phillips and guys there were some interesting headlines this week in addition to Rob Finnessy's commitment. And so let's run through some of those and uh, give you guys a chance to give your thoughts on some of these headlines. Let's start with the Grant Galon story. And again, we don't want to 
talk too much about this. Ryan, you had a chance to talk with Kent Sterling about this on the radio earlier this week. I had a chance. I, did. To, I had a chance to talk about it on podcast on the brink. And so, you know, we've kind of made our thoughts known about this. I don't feel like we need to recap this too much because everybody, I think, probably knows the basics of the story by now. Uh, but, you know, essentially Grant feels wronged a little bit by how he was treated in the transition to Archie Miller and feels a little bit run off. Andy, you haven't had a chance to speak about this. Do you have a different take on this? What are your thoughts on the Grant Galon story? I mean, I did speak about it to my wife. You know, you guys big time in me on your you know podcast and radio show. But I did speak about it with someone to get my feelings out so I wouldn't hold them until now. Now, I think, you know, I, to me, I, I go back to it, just the the signing of him originally. Even at the time, it, it kind of reeked to me of of a half-hearted Korean response to the you're not getting Indiana kids anymore. And it's like, oh, look, I got one. Um, and, and, but when you really look, go back at recruiting rankings and things like that, yeah, you could kind of see how his skill set, um, as a, a, you know, a, a primary shooter, um, might fit into the, some of the things that Crean wanted to do. Um, but otherwise it never really made a ton of sense and it never really felt like from, uh, you know, by any measure, the, the caliber of, uh, of athlete that he was didn't really fit in. And it wasn't a case of a, OG Ananobi or a Victor Oladipo where it's it's not a diamond in the rough scenario who was really athletic and, and raw. That was never the scenario here. So so to me, um, I think it's unfortunate, but I think, that, you know, I, I think Archie handled it about as well as you could. I think, you know, from from day one, he's been a pretty straight shooter about just about everything and what his expectations are. And if the alternative is I'm not going to talk to you about it and I'm just not going to play you and sit you here on the bench so that you're, you know, the time that you spend here is is spent never getting playing time. Uh, I, I don't really see how that's better. And that, to me, really felt like the alternative. One other angle on this, Ryan, you were probably higher on Grant Galon than anybody just as a player. So how like do you when you look at this in terms of the impact long term basketball wise, like do you think this is a, a mistake at all or a loss for Indiana or do you think it's in the best interest? You have to remember the systems are different. I liked him for Crean's system where you need a guy who can spread the floor and shoot. And I thought Galon was a really good shooter who could occasionally do other things. Because you could squint um, and see Nick Zeisloft in his development. Yeah, there and and maybe a little Colin Hartman too with the with the diving after loose balls and doing the you know the team the things that help a team win. But he's neat, he's not good as good as either of those guys. But with those guys moving on, I could see Galon. I could have seen him as a junior, maybe being a guy who could fill some of that role off the bench. Uh, but again, y- there was no doubt that he. Um, you know, that he wasn't of the caliber of athlete and the caliber of player that usually comes to Indiana. If he is a deep bench guy who can come in and hit some threes for you and spread the floor in Crean's system that was so heavily reliant on shooting threes, I can definitely see what they were looking at there as an eighth man who can shoot and spread the floor. He was never going to be a starter. I don't think anybody thought that um, unless it was an emergency. Uh, But I thought, as as you said, Andy, I thought that Archie pretty much handled it as he was supposed to. He told the kid, hey, this this isn't going to work out here. We would like, uh, you know, to have you if you want to stay on stay on scholarship and finish up at school that is your right to do that but you're not going to play basketball here and wasting practice time on a guy you know is never going to play and does not fit your system is not being a smart basketball coach so uh, i think that guys who take over a new program there's always guys who don't fit their system don't fit what they're going to do and uh, archie miller had every right to do what he did i think and i think he was honest with with galon as a player Agreed, and Grant could have stayed on as a scholarship student at Indiana too, because of the the student he had that right. Rights, yeah. So, and along those same lines, Ryan, there's something Jared and I have been wanting to talk to you about as the regime changed. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I will bury you with my spinoff, boys. <laughs> bury you. The assembly uh, wall will destroy you. <laughs> nice work. Good call there, Andy. Okay, uh, second story. There is a new walk-on uh, for the Indiana Hoosiers, as uh, our friends at Inside the Hall reported. Ethan Lasco, a six foot two, one hundred and seventy-one pound guard from Hollywood, Florida, who averaged twenty-five point six points per game as a senior at Cats Yeshiva High School. Uh, and according to University Press, he also had a scholarship offer from Florida Atlantic. So, you know, had another scholarship offer, obviously a score. I watched a little bit of the film on him that was posted on Inside the Hall. Kid's got a little bit of Jordan Holes in him. Obviously not that good, but he can shoot. 
uh, you know, can penetrate a little bit. You know, he strikes me as the kind of guy that's good to have around in practice because you're going to have to keep an eye on him because he's going to make you look foolish and make shots uh, if you don't guard him. So, you know, between he and uh, and Blackman, uh, who's also a walk-on this year, it sounds like Archie is uh, stacking up some shooters there, so his team will be well-versed in defending those guys. Um, let's move on now to the third story from this week, which this is a fun one. The Big Ten is looking to move to a 20-game schedule. Not certain whether it will happen next year, uh, but it's possible that it happens next year. But everybody thinks, and this was first reported by John Rothstein uh, of FanRag Sports, uh, and he said the Big Ten is preparing its programs to go to a 20-game conference schedule during the 2018-19 season. So it could happen. The ACC goes to the 20-game schedule in the 2019-20 season, so everybody thinks it will for sure happen then. I think, you know, instant reaction, hey, two more Big Ten games, sounds great, get us a little bit closer to a true round robin. I feel like everybody will like that. The downside, of course, is now you remove a couple of non-conference games. And, you know, if you're going to pull the Louisville and the Notre Dame game out of there, you know, that makes your non-conference schedule a little bit less fun. I tend to think with the way Archie wants to schedule that we'll be getting rid of either a much lower tier game or, you know, one of those mid tier games, keeping the high profile games, especially one of each. Yeah, possibly something like that. But I feel like it wouldn't impact getting the Kentucky series going again or playing the Arizona series. So those high profile games would still be prioritized by this staff. It sounds like Uh, Andy, your initial thoughts to the potential 20 game schedule. Well, I was waiting for the part where it was like in all of these extra games we played in New York as an emerging market for the Big Ten, but that never that part was not a in week the release. Before the I read. Give them time. Yeah. Give them time. Yeah. Uh, after the Big Ten tournament is played there in the middle of February. No. Um. So I, I think it's. I, I don't really have any issue with it. I. You know. Certainly, we talk about how unbalanced scheduling always seems to impact the uh, the conference race, and I think this is a step toward. Uh, toward fixing that, I think the thing that I start to wonder is, does it mean where do you fit those games in? Is it um, do they kind of stick with this early December time frame? And even though the, the reasons to have the two early games this year are different um, because of the Big Ten tournament being being when and where it is, um, do you kind of stick with that model where it follows up the Big Ten ACC? Um, do you stick them more at the, you know, or do you just add on to the beginning of the conference season, which puts them in late December, uh, when students aren't there? I mean, to me, that's the only part that I, I have some concern about is, you know, uh, and we talk about this even with the, you know, the early conference games in, in January, you know, part of the allure of conference basketball to me is the environment and whatever you can do to preserve that environment, to be there for as many of the games as you possibly can. I'm all for that. So to me, the biggest question, I, I don't really have questions or concerns about uh, the fact that they are doing it. It's just a matter of logistically, how does it how does it work, where do they fit the games in, and uh, and things like that. I think schools can adjust uh, the non-conference schedule well enough, as we've seen everybody kind of have to do uh, this year and still be able to fit in games. But it, it's more of the, you know, how can you, how can you, you know, preserve that excitement level that you get of having these on campus with students there. You're listening to yeah, the Assembly I, Call. Real quick, Ryan, I'm Jared Morris. Uh, here talking IU basketball with Andy Bottoms and Ryan Phillips. We were talking about the story that broke this week by John Rothstein that the Big Ten is looking to go to a 20-game schedule. Ryan, what are your thoughts on it? Anything to rant about here? You know I sincerely dislike December conference games. I think the conference season, the allure of it is the students are on campus. Uh, those games all feel like, you know, in a lot of, in a lot of cases, they feel like rivalry games. There's a great atmosphere wherever you're playing. You know, uh, I hate when they play games in conference in December, it's awful. The arenas are dead for sometimes great matchups. Uh, I just think that's stupid. Now I'm cool with the 20 game schedule, but they have to figure out a way to do it. So it doesn't impact that you know, environment and what makes big 10 games great is that environment, I think. And, and yeah, sure. There's a lot of talent watching those guys go head to head is great. Uh, but the atmosphere is what makes it special, especially at a place like Indiana. Uh, so if you know, opponents, if they find out they're playing assembly hall in December are thrilled that they get that environment and not the one with the students there where it's, you know, crazy. Half the big 10 got to experience that last year. Seems like that. Yeah. Um, okay, so that was our third story. Our fourth story, this is a fun one. So I don't know if you guys heard, but there is this proposal on the table for a three-on-three tournament at the Final Four that could start as soon as this year. So Matt Norlander uh, from CBS Sports, who co-hosts uh, the excellent Ion College Basketball podcast with Gary Parish, friend of the show, 
uh, as he reported, name drop, be, name drop, it everybody. Will be, it will be one team per conference, $100,000 to the winners, and only seniors who have exhausted eligibility but are not also playing in the Final Four can make it. So obviously Robert Johnson won't be eligible when Archie Miller takes the Hoosiers to the Final Four in a big surprise uh, in his first season. Uh, now, Ryan, when we talked about this in the break, that was your first question. Is, is the NCAA okay with this? To my understanding, and correct me if I'm wrong, I don't think the NCAA has anything to do with this because the players have exhausted their eligibility, so it's not like they can go to you know, Vince Edwards and say, hey, you can't play in this because you're going to be ineligible next year. He's exhausted his eligibility already, so it's beyond that. But just kind of a fun way to have another event. You know, give the, you know, what I really like about it is it gives these guys – the seniors who have been around another chance to kind of capitalize at, you know, kind of the peak of their notoriety and their earning potential as college basketball players. Cause most of these guys probably aren't going to go on to big, long NBA careers. And so I really like it from that perspective. And I just think it'll be fun. Uh, what do you think about yeah, this? I think, I think it is a fun idea. I think it's also a way for some of these seniors to showcase themselves on a stage before, you know, they might, guys who might be overlooked by the NBA if you get if you get some good broadcast you know a good broadcast situation and these guys get to play and show off a little bit uh, I think that it would be great my question is would the NCA allow it obviously um, I know that they will have exhausted their eligibility but the season will still be going on the college basketball season will technically still be going on and they may not want checks being cut to scholarship athletes uh, while you know basketball season is still technically going on i'm not sure what the exact rules on that are um so that was my first concern but if the ncaa is fine with it then that would be it just you know it's not gonna make a stink about it really i'm fine with it but uh uh, if the ncaa is not gonna make a stink about it i I think that that would be great for those players and the chance to show off chance to have some fun it would certainly be something i would watch i think it'd be great uh our friend jen here live in our youtube chat who asked a great question that we're going to get to in the next segment uh, she just asked this question. Uh, did they say only one team per conference? Yes. Wonder how they'd choose the team. I don't know. Uh, conference officials are going to choose the team, it seems conference like. Conference officials. Or they're gonna neg- uh, it, the invites will come from the people doing the tournament. Uh, they will invite guys, and guys will accept or decline, obviously. But they will do it in concert with conference officials. So let me ask you guys this. If we project forward for the Big Ten this year, you talk about some of the top seniors and if you just go down that inside the hall list of the top 25 players, you run across Nate Mason, Vince Edwards, Isaac Haas, Robert Johnson, Bryant McIntosh, Scotty Lindsay, Dakota Mathias. Andy, who are your four if you're picking the four? Three guys to play, obviously, and one guy coming off the bench. Who are you picking? Uh, well, obviously, if if the situation presents itself where IU is not, in fact, in the Final Four, I would, I would certainly pick Robert Johnson. Uh, I guess you'd go with Haas because you need a big guy. Most of the guys you mentioned are not very big. you got to go Haas, uh, I think. I think Edwards uh, from a versatility standpoint and then Defense I guess too. Nate Mason because he's been there the longest. I think he's he's this is like his third senior year, as I recall. I've picked up magazines to go back to that the last three years and thought, hey, I didn't know this guy was back. So I think he maybe just on longevity uh, might be there. Although Scotty Lindsay, I think is or Matthias are good, good shooters, but I can't pick that many Purdue guys. So that's uh, that's unacceptable. And somewhere yeah. Bryant McIntosh is just shaking his head as people overlook him again. Yeah, I think I would McIntosh pick Nate Mason be, too, though. I think McIntosh would be my first guy off the bench. How many? Or have they said how many people it would be? Four, four guys. Five? Four guys. Okay. Three play. Um. Yeah, I think I think you got to go with Rojo for defense. I think Isaac Haas certainly for his size. Um. And I think that if you've got Rojo as the defender and the shooter, then you could definitely put McIntosh in there, and then maybe Nate Mason or Vince Edwards as your other guy. So, uh, th- those would be my picks. Yeah, I would go Mason. Vince Edwards, Robert Johnson, and Isaac Haas. So I just, I'm not necessarily saying those are the best players, but that seems like the best roster construction for actually winning the tournament. So let us know who you think. Send us a tweet at Assembly Call. We'd love to know who you think would be uh, good for that. Uh, okay, let's get to our final segment here coming up. We got several good questions on Twitter, and we want to answer them. And we will do that coming up in our final segment on the Assembly Call. Stick with us. You are listening to The Assembly Call. I'm Jared Morris here with Andy Bottoms and Ryan Phillips, wrapping up another week talking IU basketball. Guys, we got a bunch of questions. Let's roll through some of these. 
And let's start right off the top with maybe the best question that we've ever gotten. And this is from Jen, longtime loyal listener to the show. She asks, when is Calbert Chaney coming on the show? Uh, I think I speak for certainly Andy when I say that Calvert Chaney is absolutely at the top of our assembly call bucket list. Anytime he wants to make himself available for an interview, we will be here to do it. Uh, so the answer is as soon as possible. Uh, so if anybody, say- if anybody has contact information and wants to put in a good word for us, then uh, please do, because we would love to make that who, happen. Who is your, your assembly call bucket? Who, who would be like your top three? I, I'd say Calvert, certainly. I'd say Mark Cuban would be there. He's not on, uh, Mark Cuban wouldn't be on my bucket list. You don't think so for our show? I, mean, I think it'd be great. Are you talking about my personal bucket list? I mean, it's got to yeah, be. Yeah, for interviews on this show, I think Cuban would be awesome. Calvert, Jay Edwards, and probably Alan Henderson would be my bucket list, personally. Okay, mine Those is Those are the Calvert. guys I grew up with, so I've always got a soft yeah, spot. Yeah, well, mine's not, mine's not in order. It's just three guys. It's Calvert is, is on there. Mark Cuban's number two on there. Um, and, and Victor Oladipo would be number three. I think Victor would be so good on the show. I might have interviewed Victor on Podcast on the Brink. So I, I know you did. Name drop. But this isn't, this isn't Podcast on the Brink, Jared. <laughs> what about you, Andy? Uh, I mean, definitely. I mean, Cheney might be like all three for me. I don't really, you know. Um, no, I think Cheney for sure. Um, I mean, Greg Graham, obviously, I feel like would be, would be a choice. Just, we could see who he compares himself to as opposed to who Jared compares him to. So that would be a useful You know what's funny about that? I actually interviewed him uh, way back when we had the Midwest Sports Fans podcast. And I actually, uh-huh. I just reached out to him and I said like, hey, I don't know if you remember me, but we did this interview back then. I'd love to have you on our show because uh, obviously it's a perfect fit since we mentioned him at least once a show. So I would love to do that again as well. We almost uh, missed this week until just now. Thank you, Andy. <laughs> yeah, good, good. Thank goodness. Uh, I don't know. I mean, Isaiah Thomas, I think, would be an interesting one, maybe – you know, certainly from an IU perspective, not really, you know, are, you know, as Jared kind of pick guys that we, you know, kind of grew up watching, uh, that would be it. I, I worry that if Cheney did come on that Jared and I would just kind of sit there dumbfounded and it would turn into the, the old, uh, Saturday night live skits when like Chris Farley would be like with Paul McCartney, like, Hey, do you remember that time that you, it would, it would turn remember into that one time when, when you only record? need one point against Northwestern and there was that sign that said Cheney needs one and you made the shot. That was awesome. <laughs> yeah. Yep. It would be a lot. It would be like 30 minutes of that. So, you know, as long as he could put up with that, I think he's willing to come on. I just wanted to know what he's in for if he actually, uh, if he does come. Someone says AJ Moy in there. He would definitely be in my top five or That's 10. Uh, and I might have a lead on that one. So that one could happen. So we're going to, you know we're going to be good too. That. You know who would be good too? And, and this is, this will be controversial with some people, but I think he'd be really good. It would be Mike Davis would be oh, a Mike very Davis good interview. Would be great. That yeah, would be a great, great interview. Not not necessarily, you know, from a star perspective as with with Cheney or someone like that, but it would be a really interesting interview, I think, and a really good interview. Yeah, yeah and you I know who, who would be great to interview the next week after Mike Davis would be Marco Killingsworth. And if you haven't heard any of the interviews that Marco has given since then, he is he provides some interesting insight on the Mike Davis era. Uh, Queer and Schultz have a podcast that they did with Marco Killingsworth that you should go check out because it's pretty good. Uh, okay, let us I mean, know. Don, Don this... Fisher or Chuck Crabb could also be interesting if you start getting, you know, outside of like the the player coach realm. I know you've I know you've talked to Fisher, so I'll just give it, you know, I'll beat you to the, you know, drop on that one. Yeah, I don't know if you guys, I don't know if you guys heard, but I uh, already did that. No, that's what you're. Chuck thinking. Crabb would be I hung awesome. out with Fish in Maui. I hung out with, with, with Don Fisher in Maui. That was fun. <laughs> you should you should have that on a T-shirt. That should be like a new Hoosier Proud T-shirt. I hung out with Fish in Maui. Uh, I would just want to get Chuck Crab on here so that we could record him like doing intros or transitions, and then just play those instead of me doing. It, because I'd, be I'd awesome. record him just do it, saying funny things like, you know, <laughs> like Jared just dropped another name. <laughs> you know, like just have drops that we could use for everything. It'd be great. Yes. Okay. Uh, so that was an awesome question. Uh, this question from Jordan Ryan: When and where did you discover Rob Finnessy? Uh, on Inside the Hall, I discovered him. Excellent. I was the first. And uh, discovered him through highlights on Inside the Hall. Uh, really, the first to get there, and uh, uh, you know, it's I've, I've basically been his biggest cheerleader since I discovered him on a post written by Alex Bozich. So, uh, by the keep way, that in mind. Jen says yes, but you didn't have enough time with Victor on podcast on the brink, and that's true. We only had like ten, eleven minutes, but it was still awesome. Uh, okay, we got a couple of questions, a couple of recruiting questions here that were good. 
Um, okay, Alex asks, what post player should we prioritize for 2019? So that's an interesting question because you've got now I don't you probably wouldn't consider Keon Brooks to be a post player, but he's a big guy, and you've got Trace Jackson Davis, uh, who's certainly more of a post player. Both Indiana guys, both top forty. It certainly seems like Indiana has a good chance at both of them. You certainly want to prioritize them, but you look at the very top of the 2019 list and you see the number one name, according to some services, is James Weissman, and he's a guy that has talked very highly of Indiana. So anytime you can get a chance to go after the number one guy, you certainly want to do that, but you obviously want to balance that with being able to get the guys that are in your own backyard. So, But let me ask you guys. I mean, if there's a real scholarship crunch there, how do you? How would you go about prioritizing in that case? And obviously, you got to get a big man. But that, you got to get a big but, man, right? But which one would you prioritize? And Jeez, some of it, I don't know. some of it's going to depend on how how good you feel in that individual recruitment. But would you say, you know, if you have a chance at number one, James Weissman, would you still take the commitments from the Indiana kids, even though they're you know quote unquote lower rated? Uh, probably. Um, I think that. You can never go wrong with the Indiana guys who will be around for, for more than one year. And they're um, still five-star, high four-star guys. If you get them, yeah. you take them, and you, you know. And, and you you be happy with it, yes. you know, and, and, and don't, you know, long for the five-star guy who's only going to be on campus for six months. You know, I, I think that um, in some cases with what Archie wants to do, building a system as opposed to just running good five good players out there, uh, I think that's in some ways having those better guys. Unless it's, it's going to be a Michael Porter Jr., or a Marvin Bagley, who is an all-world guy who's going to immediately change your program, uh, I think that that you go with the more solid guys you know you can get or, or you know, you, you feel like you can get and, and who can impact the program for a longer amount of time. Look, if you're going to get the guy who's going to be the number one pick in the draft, you do it, of course. But, you know, sometimes those five-star guys are, are, are just there biding their time till the draft. And I think that building something with guys for multiple years is, is the better solution if you're looking to win a college national championship. And you've kind of seen that over the last four years. Uh, okay, real quick. People asked who Archie reminds you of as a coach. Ryan, I know you have one. Andy, I want to give you a chance to 15 seconds each. Go, Ryan. I, I, go okay, it, I, he reminds me of a combination of Sean Miller and Tony Bennett. His brother and Tony Bennett are the two guys he reminds me of. Are you allowed to say his brother? That seems like... Hey, you asked Fine. the question. I did. I'm giving I you did. my answer. Okay. Andy, I'm, I'm going to say his dad then, and we'll just you know <laughs> kind of leave it at that. He reminds me a lot of him. So I think that's, uh, that's the way that I'd go. <laughs> that's, that's really the perfect note to end on. Uh, really that's is. That's awesome. Well done, gentlemen. Uh, all righty. That... We'll do it for us on this week's episode of the Assembly Call. If you want to see us do the show live anytime and be part of our live chat, which was rolling for this episode, join us at assemblycall.com on Thursday nights for the live simulcast of our Assembly Call radio recording or go to our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash assemblycall, where you can always subscribe to our podcast by searching for Assembly Call wherever you listen to podcasts. And don't forget to go to assemblycall.com slash join to activate your free Assembly Call membership. Thank you for listening. We'll be back to talk IU hoops again with you next week. Until then, keep your elbows in and your eyes on the rim. And go Hoosiers. Sticky notes, email alerts, a string around your finger. They're just not big enough. So here's a big reminder from the California Lottery. Tonight's Mega Millions jackpot is over $250 million. Play now. Please play responsibly. Must be 18 years or older to purchase player client. Sticky notes, email alerts. A string around your finger. They're just not big enough. So here's a big reminder from the California Lottery. Tonight's Mega Millions jackpot is over $250 million. Play now. Please play responsibly. Must be 18 years or older to purchase player client. Some people just know bundling with Allstate means big savings. Just like they know the right ingredient means big flavor. They know honey on pizza is where it's at. And olive oil on ice cream is the cherry on top. And they know when you bundle home and auto with Allstate... You can save up to 25%. Mm -mm. Bundled savings vary by state and are not available in every state. Saving up to 25% is the countrywide average of the maximum available savings off the home policy. All state vehicle and property insurance company and affiliates, Northbrook, Illinois.